At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 541st episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Today on our podcast, we have someone who is bridging the gap between farmers and consumers. We're talking with Trevor Williams about farming podcasts. Trevor is a former high school agri-science teacher, now software analyst, and host of the podcast Farm Traveler. He graduated with a major in agriculture education and communication and a minor in environmental horticulture from the University of Florida and is a former Florida Future Farmers of America state officer. Congratulations on that. Trevor taught agri-science classes for two years in Daytona Beach, Florida, and helped direct a career academy focused on horticulture and aquaculture. After two years, he moved closer to home, and in order to stay involved in agriculture while working as a software analyst, he started Farm Traveler in 2016 with the motivation and editorial experience of his wife, Allie. As host and producer of the Farm Traveler podcast, he pretty much does it all to make it work. Welcome to the show today, Trevor. Are you ready to rock? Yes, sir. Let's go. Excellent. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today? Absolutely. So yeah, good little intro. You get a little bio. So I grew up in Bluntstown, Florida, little three stoplight town in Northwest Florida. Was super active in ag and SFA in high school. Was fortunate enough to be a state officer in Florida from 2009 to 2010. Traveled across the state, kind of promoting the SFA and the agriculture industry. It was a great time. And then I went to University of Florida, even though I'm a diehard Seminole fan. So that was kind of interesting to say go Gators for a couple of years. But there you go. I still say go Noles. <laughs> and then after graduating in 2014, I taught in Daytona Beach, Florida. Taught for about two years, had a great time, had some really cool kids in my SFA chapter and career academy. But we were kind of, I kind of missed, I'm kind of a homebody, so I missed being around my family up in Northwest Florida. So I moved back, took up a job as a software analyst with a government contractor, and I missed being a part of the ag industry. And so started Farm Traveler just as like a little blog. And then as podcast started booming last year, decided, hey, let's start a podcast and we're approaching about a year of the podcast come this April. And so, yeah, that's kind of a little short, sweet, and to the point story about how I got here. Nice. Well, congratulations on the podcast. I'm four and a half years into ours, and I know how much work they are. So congratulations. Well, thank you. Yeah, you've definitely got some time up on me, that's for sure. And yours is super successful. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. It's just, you know, you know people tell me that all the time. And really what it's about, here's, here's the secret, everybody. Just don't stop. Yep. You know, just, just don't stop. Yep. Just don't stop. 
If you have a vision, if you have, this is what we're supposed to do in the world, just don't stop. Keep doing it. You know, and then after 20 or 30 years, you become a success overnight. There is no such thing as an overnight success. Right. Usually we see it after like people have been grinding for five or 10 years. Yep. So tell me about your podcast. Yeah. So on it, we, it's a weekly podcast. Every Wednesday, we interview farmers, ranchers, agriculture, entrepreneurs, extension agents, you name it. Basically, anybody involved in agriculture, whether that, that's on the production side or on the scientific research side. And it's all kind of to help bridge the gap between farmers and consumers, kind of show people what exactly goes into their food, how it's produced. So we've interviewed a bunch of really cool people. We've interviewed people from the UK, from Canada, from Saudi Arabia, and of course here in the United States. So we've had a bunch of really cool guests talking about things ranging from GMOs to dairy to organic crops, a whole bunch of stuff. So it's been really cool. Awesome. Well, and why do you think that farming is a topic that people want to hear about? So I've been trying to work on this perfect elevator speech because I think that food is something we all have in common. I mean, it doesn't matter where you're from, your race, your gender, your beliefs, anything. Like we've all got to eat three times a day, no matter what our diet is. And nobody really knows where their food comes from. I mean, you just go to a grocery store, you cook it, and that's it. Or you go out to eat, and that's pretty much it. That's all you really think about it. And I mean, I think it's something that we really need to pay attention to, especially in this age of, of misinformation and, you know, fake news. There's a lot of false label claims out there and just fake news that can not only cost you and your family at the grocery store or at a restaurant, but it's also hurting those hardworking men and women who are producing the safest, most abundant food supply the world's ever seen. And so I think it's something we all have in common and something we need to do a better job at kind of researching for us ourselves and kind of learning where our food comes from and what we can do to learn more and to be proactive about seeing where our food comes from and how exactly it's produced. Excellent. And what are you finding in almost 50 episodes? Finding that a lot of farmers are kind of the communication gap between farmers and consumers. They think it's slowly going down, which is great. I mean, there's a lot of misinformation out there, like I said, but they're finding that more and more consumers are going to social media to kind of find farmers and ranchers and see firsthand what's going on. And a lot of those farmers and ranchers are showing their daily life, like what, what's it like on a ranch or what kind of research are they doing? Or they're explaining using Instagram stories why they're using a certain pesticide or why they're giving their cow medicine, just stuff like that. And so they think the relationship is improving, which is phenomenal, but it's still got a ways to go. So you've got almost 50 episodes out. What was one of the most exciting ones for you or the, the, one of the most impactful ones for you? Oh, man, the most impactful, I would say there are probably two that kind of stand out. One was with a dairy farm in the UK called Vine Farm Dairy, and that was our first international guest on the show. And they have this really cool concept where instead of collecting the milk from the cows and shipping it off to get processed, they process it there on site. And what they have, they have a milk vending machine. And so people in their local community can come up, bring their own glass bottle, fill up the jug with milk, and then go home. So they're saving with transportation costs, and they're making a huge agribusiness where people can come see firsthand how their milk is made. And so that was really cool to not only see like what's going on in the ag industry in another country, but to see a cool, sustainable method where they're not transporting anywhere was really neat. Wow. Hold one, on. Hold on. I'm going to yeah. stop you on that one. That is epic. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah, that, that was, it was so cool to hear them do that. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting chills as you're sharing about that. It's like, that's the kind of innovation we need to see in our food system. 
Oh, yeah, exactly. And they don't sell plastic. They encourage people to use glass jugs. Mm -hmm. They sell their own glass jugs up there. And so it's, I mean, it's so neat. And they won, I forg- they won several awards in the past couple of years for innovation in the UK for agriculture and for dairy. I mean, it's so cool because they're building that relationship between them and their local consumers. And so I, it's such a cool, cool idea. Well, and I can hear how passionate you are about this whole topic. Yeah, I, I try to be a little bit passionate about it. I mean, <laughs> in no way, shape, or form am I like an expert, but I feel like I know a decent amount, and I know, at least when we're doing the interviews, the right questions to ask. And so I've learned I've learned a great deal doing this podcast, and so it's been a really cool experience. That's my favorite thing. My favorite thing is getting people like you on the podcast and talking to them and learning from them because I am in no way, shape, or form an expert. I'm just tapping people, just exactly what you said. I just tap people and have a conversation and ask the right questions, and I get to learn so much. That's my favorite part of my job, and it sounds like it is for you too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think there's like two big philosophies when it comes to life. Uh, There's either people that think you need to be the smartest person in the room or there's people that believe you never should be the smartest person in the room. And <laughs> right? so I'm the latter. Like, like I always don't want to be the smartest person in the room so you can learn from everybody, whether that's people in ag or outside of ag or whatever discipline they're studying. Like, just surround yourself with smart people and you'll learn a whole bunch. That is the case. Anyways, from my experience, that is the case. So that was one podcast that stood out. You, you were going to a second one. I don't want to lose that. Yeah, so the second one, so I'm kind of a big geography nerd. My dad's a history and geography teacher, so I guess that's kind of why I spread off. And I'm also a hydroponics nerd. I love anything about hydroponics. And so one of our recent episodes was with a a company in Saudi Arabia called Red Sea Farms, and they are using salt water to grow tomatoes. I mean, obviously, in the Middle East, they have a lot of salt water, not a lot Mm -hmm. of fresh water. And so they're tapping into that resource that they have to grow tomatoes hydroponically in that environment. And so just the research that they've done and kind of learn what they're doing to kind of use hydroponics to make agriculture much more sustainable was neat to hear. And also kind of the ag industry in the Middle East was kind of neat to hear too. Wow. They're growing tomatoes with salt water. Yeah. They use it a couple of ways. One, they use it for the water in the system and they get out, like the, the tomatoes don't really taste salty at all, which is really funny. I thought they would, but, uh-huh. and then they also have in the greenhouses, they have the big cooling racks. And so they also use the salt water with cooling. Uh-huh. And so they're using it in multiple ways instead of just for irrigating the crop. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was really neat to kind of hear from it. And, and their founder was not from Saudi Arabia. He was from South Dakota or, or South or North Dakota, one of the Dakotas. So. Uh-huh. It was kind of cool. He was from America's heartland, and he wound up in Saudi Arabia still doing agriculture. Nice. Nice. Well, and in, in, in your bio, I noticed that you mentioned aquaculture. Talk to me a little bit about aquaculture, because I have a long-standing relationship with aquaculture. I, when I was in my teens, I was actually raising fish for people to eat on a small scale in my backyard. Okay. But tell me about that. Yeah, so I've kind of had a cool relationship with it, too. Growing up, my grandpa had a farm right behind our house. It was a, a, a hybrid bath operation. So he would he had, I think, like three or four five-acre ponds that he would just raise catfish or raise the hybrid bath in. Now it's catfish. So he'd raise the fish, clean them, we'd ship them off, and it was a really neat experience to be a part of. And I think, I mean, fish are so much more efficient in terms of feed conversion. Like mm-hmm. for every pound a fish eats, they gain one pound of mass. I think a cow takes like seven pounds of feed to gain one pound. And yep. so, I mean, you can combine with aquaculture, you get protein, fish, and then you can get produce. And so I think it's such a cool 
like way to grow food that's very sustainable. I mean, you have limited water runoff from growing the crops and you have a natural filter with the plants that are, you know, recycling the fish food. And so I think it's just a very cool, sustainable method I think should be used much more than it is. I mean, as people learn about it, they're like, wait, that's like an actual thing. And my favorite ride at Disney World, Epcot, is the land where they have numerous aquaponic systems going on. And I just think it's so neat. And definitely, I think it might be the answer for sustainable agriculture in the future. I'm kind of in the same boat as you on that. For our listeners that don't know what aquaponics is, give us a short description of that. Yeah, so aquaculture is the process of growing fish for food. Hydroponics is the process of growing growing plants in water, like water as, as a substrate. And aquaponics is the process of growing fish and plants in the same system. So basically, you have a big tank with the fish in it, the fish poo, the water is then filtered to the plants where the roots take up the nutrients in the water, then fresh water is returned to the fish. So it's a perfect little cohesive relationship between the plants and the fish. Uh huh. A, a good buddy of mine here in Phoenix, Edmund Williams, has something he calls a Lear Garden. And what he's done with it, and he's been on the podcast what he's done with it is he ha- he's doing aquaponics with soil. Really? Okay. How, how does he do that? Well, it's really interesting. And I wouldn't have believed it, except we set up a system here at my house four months ago, and it grows food like I cannot even tell you. It is an amazing way to grow food. So basically, you have your aquaculture pond, your fish pond below, that pumps up water through a growing bed, but j- just happens to be that this growing bed has soil in it. And huh. well, there you go. That's yeah, cool. it re- they really work well. It's it's you know the, one of the things I love about our industry is how innovative people are getting and the stuff that people are coming up with to grow food in cities. Because I personally believe that the place that we're going to solve the food systems problem is in the cities themselves. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been trying to get them on the show for for forever, and the one company I've, I've always been watching is Gotham Greens. And they oh have my stuff God! In New York, Chicago. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, they. I mean, just, just converting these huge warehouses, and now, I mean, now they've been building these huge greenhouses where they can supply local produce to mm-hmm. huge cities. And I think that's so key. Well, I have I have a story to tell you about that. I actually know Jen Nelkin. Actually, she's been she's married now, so she's got a different last name. And I've been trying to get her on my podcast. She and I went to college together 20 years ago, and I've been trying to get her on my podcast, and they're just so dang busy that, <laughs> you know, good luck trying that. It's been, it's been a challenge, but I will continue, and I you bet. should too. Hey, well, there you go. That's cool. Because Gotham... Small world. Small yeah, world. Yeah, exactly. Because Gotham Greens, if you haven't heard of it, listeners out there, go check it out. Gotham Greens, they're an amazing company. So... Who makes up your audience? Who's listening to you? Yeah, so, I mean, of course, with any podcast you make, I'm, a lot of it are friends and family. That's kind of how I started it. And now it's, I'd say we've gotten feedback from where it's about 60% farmers and ranchers that are kind of curious to learn about what other people are doing. Wow. And then 40% are consumers. And so, I, I mean, I'm hoping that more and more consumers start to listen to it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, for right now, those are those are some pretty good demographics. So I think farmers are curious to learn about what's going on across the world, right. across the country, yep. as well as consumers kind of slowly getting more curious to learn about where their food comes from. Nice. And you think you're making a difference? You know, I would hope so. I think, 
I think the thing is a lot of farmers want to share their stories. They just don't really have the time or the resources to do it. But I think with social media and with things like our podcast, I think that it's giving them numerous opportunities where they can do it. And I mean, just we've gotten some feedback from our listeners or from guests and they're like, man, this is a really cool experience or mm-hmm. this was a great opportunity to come on to share a story. So I think it's making a difference, which is, made, I mean, it makes all the, all the hard work definitely worth it. Oh, that is the case. And well, I think you're making a difference. And well, thank you. I appreciate yeah, that. We need, you know, we, we need to be getting the word out. You said it earlier. We need to be getting the word out about where our food comes from and how to grow our own. Because I believe, and it sounds like you do too, that that's the most important thing we can be doing right now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So given that, you know, we have over 500 episodes of our podcast out, I know what it takes. So I'm wondering how you do it all. How do you do this whole podcast yourself? It's a lot of planning. It's a lot of organization. I mean, right now, it's fun to find guests. Like, usually I'll get on Instagram or or just somehow get emails of contacts. I'll email them, schedule them, come up with scripts, edit it, record it. I've I've tried to just not do it every single night that that was a struggle whenever we were starting off with i thought i had to do something about it every single night but now i'm trying to like record them once or twice a week setting up interviews that way and then editing on tuesday nights before they go live and working on our websites every now and then during the day posting on social media every other day so it's it's been a very interesting experience to not get kind of to get overworked by it and to, to kind of not get burnt out and to just plan and organize all the tasks that need to be done to accomplish it as effectively as possible. It's certainly an ongoing exercise, that's for sure, but I'm definitely learning as the podcast grows how to manage my time a little bit more efficiently as I kind of juggle this with everyday life and with my normal day job and stuff like that. Nice. Well, congratulations. Well, thank you. So I'm going to shift on you and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure and what you learned from it. Absolutely. So when I taught high school for two years, I mean, in we have a bunch of competitions in the SSA and stuff like that. And I was preparing my kids, which our chapter is about 20 kids. We had some public speaking and some meat judging competitions going on. And I didn't really prepare them as best as I should. I mean, we our practices weren't really cohesive. They weren't scheduled well. We didn't really have the appropriate content. And so, of course, whenever we went to those competitions, we didn't place. Like, we did very poorly. And so we really had, like, a, a come-to-Jesus meeting with the kids. And I was like, hey, guys, let's do, a get, let's do better next year. Here's how we're going to accomplish that. And we kind of laid out a roadmap on what we were going to do, how we were going to plan our times, what competitions we were going to do. And we learned to be prepared, 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 basically the three Ps. And so the next year, going into year two, we had a game plan about what competitions or career development events we were going to do, who was going to do them. And we really just kind of planned our practices, got the right resources. And so I definitely learned that planning, if you don't plan, you're going to fail. But if you plan to not fail, you're probably going to succeed. So that was a great thing that I learned in that whole failure situation. Yeah, no kidding. And your biggest success? Yeah. So again, going off of teaching. So I was part of a career academy and in Volusia County, career academies are kind of, it kind of helps students decide what job they want to get. And so ours was horticulture, environmental, and marine science based. Well, we were switching it up to be aquaculture, environmental, and marine science. And so all the academies are ranked in terms of quality. You have like bronze, silver, and gold. And so I I had come in after an old teacher and they hadn't placed in about three or four years. 
And my first year there, we didn't place because I really had no idea what was going on with it. And it was just kind of thrown at me. And then at the second year, we had a lot better organization. All the teachers were kind of buying in. All the science teachers were. All the students were buying in. We had career academy officers. And we wound up getting silver level, which was the second highest level you can get category-wise. And it was a great accomplishment for our teachers, for our students. And it was really cool to kind of see all the kids buy in and realize that they are helping with the rebranding effort and that it's just as much for them as it is for the school and for the community. And so that was just a huge, a huge success to kind of have a very successful rebranding with that career academy. Nice. What drives you? I'd say two things, a love for Chick-fil-A and improvement. Like I've been trying to listen to like improvement podcasts and just people that are kind of all about self-development. And one of my my high school ag teacher always used to say, leave it better than you found it. And I Mm -hmm. think that can apply for you, can apply for your friends, for your family, for your work. And so not only self-improving yourself, but also improving community, your industry, whatever you're a part of, trying to improve that. And so that's something that I would say drives me. It's something that I've got to focus more on, but it's it's definitely something that I try to, to try to help drive my focus and drive how I spend my time. Nice. And one book for our listeners? So I'm a huge Mike Rowe fan. I love his podcast, his TV shows, everything. My wife bought me his book, The Way I Heard It by Mike Rowe. And it's all about kind of the stories from his show, as well as neat little anecdotes throughout his life and lessons he's learned. So it's a really cool book. And it's not one of those. It's like he describes it as a coffee table book. And so you can pick it up whenever to read it. It's super fun, super addicting. And that's one of my favorite books right now. Nice. Yeah, I was he's got a couple of new shows, doesn't he? uh, I he was here in Phoenix uh, showing off one of our local restaurateurs. And it, it was a really good segment. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, he's on Facebook. He's got, uh, I think Mike Rowe returns the favor to where he kind of helps like great people in communities that are kind of sacrificing themselves and he helps the community give back to those people. And so that's really cool. But yeah, he's got a lot of irons in the fire. That's for sure. Yeah, cool. And a final piece of advice for our listeners. Oh man, that's a big one. I would say don't compare yourself. Whatever that comes to, whether it's comparing yourself to other podcasters or other growers or other, really just anybody out there, you're always going to compare yourself because you want, I mean, you want to be as successful as possible, but there's people out there that have been working 5, 10, 25 years longer than you have and are more successful than you. But there are also people that are just starting out that you are much more successful than. And we all have a different path. We all have different stories. So I think the key thing is don't compare yourself. Just judge yourself on if you are better than you were yesterday, then you're good and you're improving. So don't compare yourself to other people and other successful people that you're trying to idolize and try to follow. And tell me, what is your, I'm kind of going off script here a little bit. What is your intent for the podcast and farm traveler? So we, the future goals for the podcast, we're going to start doing different seasons and each season we're starting off season two being organic versus traditional agriculture. And with each new season, we're going to cover a key topic, whether that's organic or GMOs or labels, whatever it is, we're just going to do it to where we can learn from different people, different viewpoints. We're not going to do, we're not going to get political. We're not going to make one side look better than the other. We're just going to learn from all facets involved to kind of see what's going on. And so to do that and continue to grow the podcast and hopefully reach more consumers as a goal. And I'd say probably the big term goal is, I would love to have like a YouTube or some sort of web series where, you know, Farm Traveler, we're actually traveling to farms 
and seeing what's going on. Like we're actually visiting dairy farms, ranches. We're visiting scientists or ag entrepreneurs or professors or extension agents. And we're out there in the field seeing what's going on. And we can have a very visual experience and hands-on experience to see what's actually happening in the ag industry. So that's, I'd say that's like a five to 10 year plan. So continue to grow the podcast and the brand overall is definitely a plan for this year and kind of growing forward. Nice. I like that. I think that there is a really, really good opportunity there for you on that. I know that I'd love to, you know, it's like Mike, Mike Rowe going to farms and you'd be doing that. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I love Dirty Jobs, and I mean, this is kind of inspired by Dirty Jobs, but it's just fully focused or focused on on the ag industry. And so I think I think people are very visual. I mean, uh, podcasts cover the auditorial learners, but I think visual people want to see something where we actually go to farms and see what's going on. Yeah, exactly. Well, I know Mike Rowe visited our state here and talked with Hickman's Eggs. He was out at the Hickman's Egg Facility here a few years ago. That was that was interesting. Oh, I bet it was. That's neat. Love micro. Love micro. I can tell. <laughs> so tell me about your podcast and your blog. The blog, which is just thefarmtraveler.com, we have articles on our podcast episodes and just articles where we talk about anything ag-related. But yeah, the podcast, I mean, we're looking to get more and more people on. We're looking to get more and more, hopefully, more of an international flair where we can have more and more people from around the world sharing what they're doing and sharing how the whole ag industry is going on around the world. And I've been trying to have a larger YouTube presence. We're trying to do like video breakdowns of some episodes, but really I'm, I'm going to try to focus on that later on in the year. But right now we're just trying to focus on building that, you know, that core group of listeners and followers where we can kind of grow organically. <laughs> Pun intended. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Trevor. Yeah, absolutely, Greg. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad we got a chance to talk. How can our listeners find you? So they can find us on iTunes, Spotify, whatever app they listen to their podcast. Just look up Farm Traveler Podcast and you will find us. We're also active on our website, thefarmtraveler.com, as well as our Instagram page, which is just farm underscore traveler, as well as Facebook, which is just the farm traveler. Basically, wherever you are, look up Farm Traveler and you will definitely find us. Awesome. You can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash farm traveler. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.